you're listening to the Games Industry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I'm joined tonight by Matt Handrahan, Brendan Sinclair, Rebecca Valentine, uh, Chris Dring. We are recording minutes after seeing the PlayStation 5 reveal, and I mean, let's get the obvious out of the way that Xbox is what gameplay is. <laughs> um, we saw a lot. There's going to be a lot to kind of unpack. We're not going to be able to go into depth on absolutely everything, but there were a lot of games, uh, a lot of interesting choices in terms of protagonists. We've seen the PlayStation 5's console design at last. Um, there's going to be a digital edition as well, so discless version of the console. Um, overall kind of impressions, get then, guys, for like on, on the, the showing in general and PlayStation's lineup. I think we were all worried about like E3 being stretched out over like two months here this summer, but it feels like they kind of crammed the entire thing into about an hour and 10 minutes there. <laughs> it did feel very much like an E3, an E3 type yeah. conference, didn't it? Chris made the joke midway through that I thought was very funny that we basically saw Sony and Bethesda's conferences kind of jammed together because we saw, you know, the two most interesting games from Bethesda's E3 showcase in, I think, 2018, uh, Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo kind of thrown in with everything else. So it was sort of amusing in that regard. It was also an E3 press conference from the one company that definitely wasn't going to go to E3. <laughs> it was nice. Uh, it was like now I... Don't feel like, oh, and now I got to go to the EA conference for their one or two things that are interesting in the Ubisoft conference. Although EA and Ubisoft were actually completely absent from this, right? Uh, yeah, there will be other stuff. But this this was like a satisfying assault of a whole bunch of stuff that I personally am looking forward to. A whole bunch of stuff that I couldn't care less about, but I acknowledge other people do. And um, some some interesting indie stuff that they threw in there. What I didn't see, and maybe um, I'm just completely blind here, was a whole lot of stuff that really screamed out to me like, yes, this is why I need to invest in a next-gen console. A lot of these games are multi-platform, like they will be on PS4 as well. And for things that are like just really compelling reasons to upgrade right now, uh, uh, what stood out for you guys? Yeah, well, I think the one of the things that's sort of lacking is a clear sense of which of these games, if anything, is going to be PS5 only. Like that wasn't really front and centre almost anywhere. Um, I I think like what it did show was so. Uh, one thing is I I don't think it's sort of fair to compare this one to the Microsoft, uh, to the Xbox um, showcase just gone, because that was just third-party software. But what I think it does show is that I don't think Xbox's decision to split those two things out was a particularly smart one. Uh, I think it's, it works really well to have that kind of mix. I think you you observed, Batch, that you know you had this like nice mix of first-party, third-party, AAA, indie, like nothing sort of segregated out and indies dumped over there and whatnot like it was all sort of mixed together it gave you a sense of uh, sort of a breadth of content that that was really really positive um and i think that xbox um might sort of regret splitting it out in that way because i think it we'll see you know xbox has got its other it's got its first party showcase coming up but i think it you know it, it risks sort of dulling the impact um a little i i don't think you can really argue with the the spread of the games, but to Brendan's point about would you buy a PS5 for it? I mean, I I think yes, but I don't know if it's because of a sense of I could only play that on PS5, but more like, oh, there's like half a dozen games that I'd really like to play, like Hitman 3 and Horizon Zero Dawn 2 and uh, the new Spider-Man game and Ghostwire Tokyo. And like, there's a, there's a few things in there that I'd, I'd probably want the latest hardware for when they come out, I guess. Um, so, you know, that's the thing. It's the, it's the first party titles that, that sold me on on getting... A, um, I, I'm coming out of this like, oh, I really like... I'd like to get a PS5 now. And it was purely down to uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Ratchet & Clank, and Horizon Zero Dawn 3, uh, 2. Sorry, Those three titles alone convinced me, and those three are first party titles. And again, that kind of speaks to your point, Matt, as to why it might have been a mistake for Xbox to leave first party titles out of that first showcase. The more I look back on it, that showcase feels like it was 
almost a teaser or almost like a, a, a half forced attempt of like, we're going to go first. We're going to show next gen gameplay first gameplay and quota there um, in order to beat Sony to it. But as you say, I think that's done, done them damage in the long run. Um, it may be as Chris quite clearly joked, and joked, but quite accurately and said in the Slack chat, like, you know, in a month's time when I see Fable and Perfect Dark at the Xbox conference, I'll probably be like, Oh, I really want an Xbox uh, series X now. But like, it's, it's the first party titles that convince convince me and quite a few other people as to whether or not to get a next gen console. And with those exclusive to PS5 or at least better on PS5, I think that's enough to be system sellers. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how they led off with GTA 5. That was, it was weird. almost like let let's get this one out of the way and then we can talk about the next generation. Like have to reassure everyone it's still going to be there, but like that is uh, a game from the generation before last which is a massively significant thing in its own right, but you know, it just felt like like let's put it up front and then move on after that. So yeah. Can I check something? I, I, I'm trying to work out if I misread this. And you know what? By the time this episode is out, I'll probably have been corrected either way. GTA Online free to PS5 players. So it sounds like GTA Online is going to be a separate thing, free to play on PlayStation 5 and probably on Xbox One X as well. So I, feel like, I feel like the wording, and I, I don't have it in front of me, so I'd have to check, but I feel like the wording may have been like, just like said something about launch specifically so i wonder if it's going to be like a limited launch window maybe i I, I just i remember seeing the words gta 5 online free to ps5 players like and given that it's 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 already bundled in with the game if you buy gta 5 it it sounded like they're spinning off as a as a separate free online product like a la fortnite that sort of thing which honestly is probably the only other thing they can do to get even more people playing. No, it's, oh, it's, it's, no, you know what? It is. It is free. It's Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. It, it, I think it has to be free because if you're somebody that's invested hundreds, million, you know, thousands of pounds in GTA Online since it came out and you're moving to the next console, you're going to make you buy GTA 5 again to play online? I, I don't think... And I, I also think that, that from Rockstar's perspective, they, they eventually have to decouple it from GTA 5 anyway if they want to move on to GTA 6. Yeah makes a lot of sense to, to kind of make it its own entity. It does. It just it just it struck me as interesting. Like, yes, it's you know, it's launching with GTA five I mean, yet, yet again GTA five. As as Brendan I think so it was either Brendan or Matt said in the chat, like um possibly the only triple A game that's launched across three generations. At least in, at least launched as a triple A game across three generations. Yeah. Like you've you've had games like Resident Evil four come out again and again, but it's not quite the same thing, is it, as GTA five. Yeah. I just find it interesting that they're they're spinning out. I mean, obviously, we we've said on the podcast previously, like you know that you know the the biggest generation games of the next generation are going to be the same as the biggest games of this generation. Like with GTA Online spinning out as a as a standalone online service title and one that is free to play, then yeah, that game is not going anywhere anytime soon, and we we can wait that little bit longer for GTA Six. But you're right that it was an interesting choice to open with a sort of get get it out of the way first, because I remember I immediately tuned out when I saw that, because yeah, sure, GTA 5, of course it's coming to PS5. But then the second thing they had up was Spider-Man Miles Morales, and Spider-Man is, I don't know, one of Sony's best things on the PS4, like absolutely incredible, and Into the Spider-Verse is deeply beloved, um, and it just looked incredible, and so that felt more like an opener, weirdly. It felt, if honestly, the whole thing felt classic PlayStation, and in a good way. In that, um, they always start with something. They always have a Rockstar moment just to show that they've met their mates with Rockstar. They love doing that, and then they, and then they, uh, and they show a couple of big titles at the beginning, and then they go into the weird and the wacky and the unusual, and then um, a couple of little first first party uh, third party stuff in there. Normally, games that have been popular in the past, like Resident Evil and Hitman, and then you go into. Um, and then you go into uh, uh, the the big the big game at the conclusion. But you know, it, as a as a as a as a console launch sort of reveal, you had everything. You had the sort of family games, and you had the big hitters, and you had the core games, and you had the racing game. You always got to have a racing game at the beginning of a console cycle because they're, they're very good at showing off how th- pretty things can be. Yeah, the um, interesting so- Capcom game that'll never come out. Yeah, <laughs> well, apparently it's next year. So this generation is deep down. Yeah, which one New was IP that? From that Capcom. Was- Pragmata. Pragmata. The one we all thought was a Kojima title. Yes, telling. I swear that armor in Pragmata is the, the statue that's in the, the lobby at Jim Productions. 
Um, yeah. uh, the whole thing makes me feel like the industry has watched too many Christopher Nolan trailers. Yeah, I was about to say, mm-hmm. it reminded me of nothing more than a Christopher Nolan trailer, that one particularly. I mean, I've got to say, I, I, I feel like, particularly with the Rockstar thing, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was Rockstar saying, if we're going to let you announce that GTA will be on, will, online will be free, we're going first. And that was a demand on their part. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Because yeah, otherwise it, it just doesn't really make much sense in terms of the flow of the whole thing. Um, but Spider-Man would have been a better opener overall just because it, yeah, it's just su- such a such a great game. Spider-Verse, such a brilliant movie. Um, yeah, just just w- would have been a much stronger opening. I, I felt sort of slightly baffled that they led off with GTA Five, But I don't think, I think Chris is right. Like, you can't really fault the mix of games there. If there's not something in there for you, then you probably aren't that... You don't play games all that regularly. Like, I feel like they covered a lot of bases, certainly most of what's available... Like, the kinds of experiences that are available right across the PS4 were all represented there in some form. Old, new, returning franchises, um, updates from first party, smaller indie games. It was all all in there, and also, like, of a, of a fairly high fairly high standard like the 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 smaller indie stuff you haven't heard of before look pretty promising there's a game where you play as a cat which looks yeah i'm down you know stray i think i think that's the team's favorite there was such a wonderful both like a diversity of content just in terms of like i know i know we're not comparing this to the xbox thing but i definitely felt the xbox thing just had just a preponderance of gritty dark murder car games um and there it was just a bunch of different things in this one and then also can we talk about how gloriously diverse all the protagonists were i think it took like 43 minutes to see a white male protagonist and it was agent 47 who okay he's hitman fine he's allowed um but i mean so many women and people of color like highlighted at the front just in trailer after trailer after trailer and all these games looked so good and it was just like beautiful and i I am so happy that this was kind of collectively what Sony and its partner studios decided was, I I know this is not going to magically fix the industry. This doesn't, you know, right all wrongs, but it is wonderful that this is what Sony decided that it wanted to showcase as its debut of the kind of software lineup that it is going to have for the PlayStation 5. It was so good. I think it's probably, probably worth noting as well that the degree to which diverse characters were at the front and center of that conference could not have been put together in the last seven days so that that would have been mm. something that sony would have been planning and, and those kind of trailers the gameplay all of that would have been something that would have, would have had to kind of stretch back beyond our kind of current moment as well um so i that's impossible to know but i i would have thought that this maybe suggests that sony was thinking along those lines anyway which is also quite an encouraging thing to think I will, I will say, although it was it was a hell of a lot more diverse than it normally is, Sony's always, Sony's variety of content, they've always been quite good with this. And I think it's ever since PS2, really, when it opened up and it started reaching. I got 150 million people bought that. And it was such a widely reached um, console. You know, I remember the PS3 thing of Heavenly Sword, and then it went into the PS4 with a lot of last of us and stuff around that time and things and it's always been a um it's always been a console that has a lot of variety on it um and it's always nice it's nice you know it, they had kids games in in the reveal for you know xbox has has always been the darker grittier grimier um gamer console shooter box and that it felt felt a little bit like both of these were sort of playing i wasn't really surprised by the tone and the and the variety of content diversity was obviously much better and i love that but um it was it was the um it felt like a playstation press conference i'll be honest and and we actually haven't had one for a while um so it was it felt really it felt really good um i think the only thing i have with um playstation though and that's a thing that i've actually it's been nagging at me for a while i don't know what their growth strategy is um because this was all very you know it was all playstation you know as matt said at one point during our in the slack channel that um None of these games are things that we knew all these games were coming, um, you know, whether or not we, 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 we knew for a fact or just because it's obvious they were. And it, 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 I think that's that's true. And um, whereas with place Xbox, they're always talking about moving into different territories and streaming and subscriptions and all this kind of stuff. You know what Microsoft's growth strategy is with gaming with PlayStation. I don't know what it is. I don't know what how they expect to sell more PS 
uh, fives than PS4s or where they expect revenue to cut growth to come from or any of that. I still don't really know that it, it, it's very much a continuation of where they've been for the last 10 years, which is great. I mean, I'm on board. I'm a massive Insomniac fan and there were two Insomniac games and I'm a big Resident Evil fan. There was a Resident Evil game. I'm sold. But I, I don't know where they're, they're, they're expecting growth Is there a, perhaps come a, from. a clue, though, in the... Uh... The confirmation that there's going to be an all-digital PlayStation 5. Um, so, not that now, obviously, that doesn't mean that we're going to get another event in six weeks' time in which they unveil, you know, massively stepped-up plans for PlayStation now, but it at least shows that they do see that there is a consumer out there that doesn't necessarily want the disc anymore. And when, when, you, when you've got an all-digital console, that, that kind of means that the, the line between a, a game and a service is sort of gone, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's an acknowledgement of that. So may, maybe, maybe we've got a bit more to come from Sony in term, on, the, on the services side. Maybe they've got a little bit more of a response to Microsoft there. I also wonder if um, Sony are a bit more cautious with their growth strategies like Xbox has been very kind of front and center like Xbox Game Pass subscriptions are the way forward and I don't know why I did that accent I apologize now to all accent, I, I it's, it's awful I apologize is that what now. I sound like no no that's what that's what we British sound like when we're trying to impersonate you I apologize I wish I could move past this but that's just gonna be too too clumsy to edit out Xbox always put subscription first, uh, you know, front and center because that's their big growth strategy. Things though, and it's not quite the same level, but things like um, the PlayLink games, like when Sony announced that the the PlayLink games, the games you could play with your mobile phone, but are PS4 games. That was clearly a growth strategy in the that's reaching out to that broader audience. That it was kind a of terrible game. growth didn't, strategy. Didn't just saying, <laughs> it's a terrible, it's a terrible growth strategy. But it, it was, it was trying to you know do what they did with SingStar and iToy. Like it's trying to reach out for that broader audience, those ones who don't necessarily always buy a console or don't necessarily watch E3. Case in point, it wasn't even announced at E3 during the main conference. It was announced in like kind of a pre-show or post-show, and they didn't really put much behind it, and it kind of fell apart. But I wonder if like this kind of if there's oh, something well, like, I mean, more experimental like that down the do you, road. Do we really think that PlayLink didn't work out because they didn't put enough behind it? I mean, I, I would say this, like PlayLink's a neat idea, but I don't think, but it, you know, it's a bit gimmicky and I don't think that's truly a growth strategy. I think in a lot of ways okay. we can say, you know, what, what's PlayStation's growth strategy, but there's kind of two or three areas where that's likely to be anyway. We, we know roughly what the big forces in the industry are going to be over the next few years. What we don't really know is exactly how Sony thinks about them. I mean, we were put, we were talking about, you know, where, what's happening with PSVR, for example. And I was struck actually at the end of that, uh, at the end of the video, they had like all of the hardware laid out, two different PlayStations and earphones and, and, uh, and a control pad and another little gizmo. I can't really remember what it did. But like I just said, PS5 above it. And I, you know, I, I, I was saying before the video that I, I do think there will be another PSVR based on nothing at all but my own kind of sense that, that, that Sony's not done with it yet. But it did kind of made me think twice. So actually maybe, maybe this is all that they've really got planned. Maybe, maybe they don't really even see that as part of their growth strategy. But if it's not that, then it really has to be something like, subscription service or streaming or whatever like it's it's not going to be a play link variant wonder book two this is one of my issues with with sony's uh just kind of pattern of behavior here is that they they've had lots of growth strategies i think when you look at like psvr uh play link wonder book itoy that eye of judgment kind of game like they've they've tried a bunch of stuff, but they never really stick with it. They never follow it through. They don't, you know, burn their boats and, and ensure that they are committed to these things. I mean, you can even look at their portable gaming as, as part of that remote play on Vita could have been a game changer, but you know, they didn't, they didn't really care enough about it to focus. And I think like that seems to be just, um, an institutional issue there. When, when it comes to these these new areas that might be really lucrative or might be game changers for them, they explore them. And then when they don't instantly click, they, they don't iterate on it and give it, you know, the, the, the real push and the chance that it needs to succeed. They were laying off their, you know, 
VR development studios before they even launched the hardware. And so now, will... th- who do they have making VR games? Chris, you were trying to figure it out before, right? Well, I mean, they got London Studio, but you're right. Um, but but the thing is, with actually some of that stuff, Brendan, you're referring to is actually, I think, the old organisational structure of PlayStation. Because like Move, for instance, was a big thing for PlayStation Studios in Europe, but the PlayStation Studios in America and Japan didn't care. And um, and it's the same with uh, and sometimes it breaks through like SingStar or even an iToy, but then it sort of fades away because it just doesn't get buy-in from all the different various departments of Sony. Whereas if it's not big in America, nobody in PlayStation America is sort of pushing for it. And you you got that a little bit. Like all the PlayLink games are mostly made in Britain. Most of the VR games were made in the UK as well. And as soon as as soon as it required a bit of push from some of the big AAA studios, they sort of backed off. And I do wonder with the new structure that if they do decide they're going to go big on something, if they will go properly big on it and the whole organisation gets behind it. Because I always felt that some, you know, it's more noticeable perhaps for us in the UK, but I always felt some of their... Um, more experimental stuff, which almost all came out of London Studio. Um, you think from VR, SingStar, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, really got got a nice push on the UK and the European side, and then but just didn't ever, then sort of just fizzled out globally. Um, and I, I do wonder with the new organisational structure if they do do something. They're not doing anything particularly new at the moment, but they're just launching the console, so you know, give them a break. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but I do wonder if maybe if they do do something a little bit more, if they do if they decide they're going to go massive on PlayStation now, every part of Sony will every part of, every depart, division of PlayStation will have to get behind it because it's all being delivered by Central. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel though that there are. It's worth drawing a line between some of this stuff. I mean, we can list all of these things like, you know, SingStar, iToy, VR. But VR is a very different thing to PlayLink and iToy. I mean, iToy, it's like a, you know, it's it's a roll of the dice on a specific kind of product that didn't work out. It's not like a, it's not a gamble on a whole new format of, it's not, it was never really likely to change the industry or change the way people play games. And I feel like Sony, I, you're definitely right. I mean, Sony, Sony does try and tee up things, move, move being a really good example of that, you know, try, tries to tee up things and doesn't tend to stick with it. But actually, when you look back over the last couple of generations, in terms of like the, the really big stuff that's really changed gaming um, on console, so like, you know, online multiplayer and just general online infrastructure and services, like Xbox actually has been more of a pioneer in the very, very fundamental shifts than than Sony has. It's kind of tended to get there slightly quicker. Not necessarily always more popular, but you know, Xbox Live was definitely much more vital way before Sony's online service was. Um, Xbox 360 became the default console of that generation, largely because because Microsoft got the got the online multiplayer stuff working so much better. So, and like Microsoft's now is acting in a fairly similar way. It's looking at the bigger, the, the more fundamental, bigger changes in the industry and backing those rather than what Sony's done, which Sony's always had a little bit of Nintendo about it. It's always had a tendency to kind of embrace the sort of slightly wackier, more niche concepts and try and roll those out. So we will see what's coming up from Sony. But I, I do think Chris is right. I think potentially uh, the, the restructure, the new structure of the company means that maybe you're not going to see so many of those small ideas being tried and then backed away from. But I think the question is, which of the bigger ones are they really going to get behind? Because what we saw today, barring the all digital version, was, as Chris says, it's a, a Sony E3 press conference, the kind of one that we've seen many, many times before. I do want to kind of say that it it felt like the most E3 press conference that I've seen in a while, including last year. Like, I know that I know it's like a very just nonsense kind of debate about oh who won E3. Like, I mean, right? Who cares? PlayStation. Right, and and I I know it's like sort of a joke this year, right? Because obviously the you know one company that had a conference during what would have been E3 week is the company that pulled out of E3 last year before COVID was even really a thing. Um, But this was a this was even by you know the standards of a bunch of E3 press conferences. This was a very good show. Like it, I think twenty six games just jam packed one after another. Um, Yeah, I know we didn't get like pricing details on the PlayStation, but I really expect to get those. We got to see the console for the first time. um, all the games, honestly, like they're really, Brendan was right what he said earlier, you know, there really was something there for hopefully everybody. I don't know. Like there were moments where I kind of tuned out and thought, oh, this isn't for me. But then the next game was something really interesting. And it was just, it was a very, very good showing. And I think it goes back to what Matt said earlier as well, that I, 
I know this can't really be compared to what Microsoft did, but I think it can be compared strategy-wise in the sense that maybe Microsoft should have done something a little more traditional in the sense that it's, you know, fine to just do kind of one big games blowout and be like, this is what we got, look at it, because now everybody's talking about PlayStation, everybody's really excited about it, and I still don't really have a good grasp on what Microsoft's doing software-wise. I would say, though, in defense of Microsoft, is that it doesn't really matter what we think now. I think it kind of matters what we think in, a, in about two months, and that and 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 we'll and we'll and by then, you know, Microsoft hasn't finished announcing stuff. Neither have PlayStation, to be fair. So it, it's like it, it's. I was. I say. I said this in the last time we did a chat about this. Is that um, I remember the PlayStation Four reveal, and everyone hated was hating on it. At least in the room I was in. And then, and then by the time it got to the launch, PlayStation 4 was in the dominant position because it had a few good events beyond that. So I was uh, I sort of, you know, there's, there's a chance, you know, it's a bit of, it, it was a bit of a misfire in their last event, but they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, it wasn't like the, uh, the sports movies TV one that they did uh, for the Xbox One reveal. Yeah, well, I was about to say, PS4 was never not in the lead. Like Xbox One <laughs> did such an awful job that no matter how badly PS4 did, it couldn't have done any worse. But I, I agree with Rebecca. I actually felt like like not being able to have people on stage the whole time allowed it to be 70 minutes all about the games. There was quite a lot of gameplay in there, which is one of my major bugbears about these things. I actually think it was basically a perfect E3 type conference. And I wouldn't necessarily be feel feel too bad if that's the way they went from now on. Like just keep them a little bit tighter. The pomp and circumstance of the show, I'm sure, feels like great if you're in the room. But actually, it kind of just means that we'd be watching this at like one o'clock in the morning instead of 10 o'clock at night. And, and it would be two hours long instead of 70 minutes. And and, it, and kind of it just takes takes the focus away from the games a little bit more. And the fact that it ended on the hardware reveal was my thoughts on the hardware notwithstanding um, was 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 the kind of the icing on the cake there. So yeah, they did they did a great job for sure. They also managed to bring in developers on multiple occasions to, you know, very briefly say, hey, we're excited to be working on this thing. And not only did they manage to showcase, again, like many diverse individuals, um, but also I think it was a really nice balance between not showing developers at all, which I I don't like because I I think it's good to showcase the people who are actually making these things, um, but not getting into these, you know, like 15 minute long onstage developer interviews that get into the weeds about games that maybe like, two-thirds of your audience isn't interested in because that's just not their kind of game so yeah you're right it was just tight and good and ah (laughs) (laughs) it's nice to be excited about video games right now honestly (laughs) yeah i was was, yeah i mean the only i and what was what was everyone's pick what's your game what's the game see for me it's spidey as soon as they they brought out spider uh spider-man mars morales like that was and i know i know we knew that this was on the way i know that we you know there was never not going to be a sequel but like as soon as they had that they showed that it's like right you have my attention you have my you know the insert shut up and take my money meme here like that the previous game was so so good and the Miles Morales character is one I'm I'm learning a lot more about at the moment since kind of Spider Verse. Like, and to see and to going back to Rebecca's point to see so many kind of diverse types of characters. Like I don't know, it just it was enough of it. Like you know what, that was only a brief snippet, but I know that's a game I'm going to pour so so much time into. That has justified a purchase alone for me. That that for me is was I mean I, I say I'm a huge Insomniac fan, and you know Spider Man is is the spiritual sequel to Sunset Overdrive, and I love that game. And I love this. One. The only thing I don't, only thing that doesn't even concern me, but makes me wonder is is this actually a full Spider Man game? It's called Spider Man Miles Morals. Um, it's and coming coming Morales, this year as well. Morales, isn't it? Yeah, is. it's coming this year. So um, and um, it's. Uh, uh, but you know what? Even even if it is kind of a, a Spider Man one point five, same map, but you know, bit more snow on it, and uh, you know, different missions. I'm okay with that. Uh. I am okay with that. <laughs> But that, but I, I am a massive sucker for Spider-Man stuff, so I'm probably not the person to ask. Yeah, the, the thing with Spider-Man was like I, I, I really enjoy Spider-Man, but I got the sense it's like it was a very good game that would become a great, great, great game with its sequel. So I actually would really like to see a full sequel rather than like a like a reskin or whatever. But honestly, twenty this year seems too soon for much more than just a you know rejig the current engine and. 
use a lot of the same stuff, but just make it work with this new character. Not necessarily a bad thing. It was a very good game. I would definitely play the sequel, but I was, I was. Now that Chris has said that, I'm starting to wonder whether it will be, you know, will be all it can be. But that's because that's because you're just gonna have to wait a little bit longer for Spider-Man Two, where you play Peter, Peter and Miles in co-op. <laughs> that's the dream. I can't decide what my pick is. I keep like staring at this list because like I I have been super excited for Horizon. Like that's just gonna be great. Um, but then I really like I love the look of Kina Bridge of the Spirits. I thought that mm. looked really 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 nice. And Stray had a cat. <laughs> yeah, Stray, so Stray and Kina. Where is the list? I haven't got the list. I can't. It's on GamesIndustry.biz. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've heard of them. <laughs> Lies. It's all lies. This is where you can all hear us clicking and frantically typing to open up yeah. the story. I mean, I, I, I've got, I've, I've got a little bit of a dif- difficulty trying to pick something because I will say, while you know, I liked the, 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 the how front and center diverse characters were, but there's a lot of familiar stuff in here. Um, I think of the games that I didn't really know all that much about, Ghostwire Tokyo is probably the one that I know that I, I like. I'm, I'm in most interested in, but just because I'm a big fan of. Mikami's work uh, going, you know, for as long as he's been making games, basically. I like Supernatural stuff. That's cool. It doesn't look like the most inventive um, format for a game to be, but I, I like the aesthetic of it. And uh, like I say, Mikami's just one of my favourite uh, game designers. So that's that. And honestly, like Hitman 3, like I love the Hitman games. Uh, just re- really, really brilliant uh, masterclasses in level design that um, sort of reached that part of me. Um, and then there were unknown quantities in there, which I'm very, very interested in. But um, as unknown quantities, it's hard to be truly excited about them in the same way, like as you would a game with like a with a creator that you've been following for years and years and years. So, so I, I think, but I think that kind of speaks to the strength of the lineup in a lot of ways. Like it wasn't. I think one of the things with the Xbox conference was it was a third party. It was third party granted, but there weren't that many sort of really big ticket games that can kind of get you immediately excited. Um, whereas this one had quite a few of those. Um, so yeah, I guess Ghostwire, maybe Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Um. Shout out to Sony for deciding to intersperse a lot of games made by smaller indie studios with everything else and not just intersperse them, but also give them like the same amount of around the same amount of screen time and time and attention as everything else. Like Goodbye Volcano High, uh, uh, Solar Ash, uh, game, games like that. Tribes uh, of Midgard from Gearbox. That, that looked good. Didn't yeah. <laughs> like like those joke. games are games that. Well, that is a joke. Yeah, one. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go look at what that was. Yeah. Um, but well, the other ones that I listed, like those are games that might not not for any not because they deserve it necessarily at all, but for like in any other showcase might just get shoved into kind of a little in- indie montage and you might see them for five seconds and, you know, yeah. maybe forget about them. But like, I, I had time to sit there and consider them and enjoy them. And like goodbye volcano high, I think especially is really interesting because it's this kind of animated game. Like it's not, it's not this, you know, fancy, shiny puddles, ray tracing, next gen kind of game, but it's still, you know, it looks really, really cool. And I bet will look very, very interesting and very good on the PS5. And I, I love that it was up there with everything else. I have to say as well, like, um, I, I know there was this weird little tech bit in the middle with lots of fancy, gra- you know, fancy graphics and, and effects of the thing, you know, like ray tracing, SSD, headphone jack, like all these different features. But, um, but I didn't see many, there didn't feel like there were many gameplay demos where they were like, hey, look at this glorious ray tracing. Look how fast this is loading. It was just, this is the game. This is how it plays. Like there was no, like, look, this is the future of visual effects. It was it was just presenting the game quite plain and simply. And I, I kind of appreciated that. The, uh, the Ratchet demo, the Ratchet demo was maybe the closest that we got to that, right? Yeah. Because we saw the gameplay and we saw him like flying through the portals and it was just like, yeah. I mean, I couldn't quite get a grip on what was going on, but it looked like he was jumping from like area to area without any loading. But I um, also, so maybe, yeah, in the Ratchet yeah. demo, there was a lot of, particle effects and there was just a lot going on on screen um and i think that that for me was the game that looked the most like okay that you probably couldn't quite do that at that resolution on ps4 hardware that's that's the one that yeah stood out. yeah but yeah, i also thought that that, that game looked very um disorienting 
with what it was trying to do with those things. And it's like, okay, that's a neat visual trick, but um, it reminded me of the portals from the Bioshock Infinite E3 trailer when they were really just doing smoke and mirrors to try and make you think that there was yeah. a real gameplay mechanic there and they hadn't figured it out or thought it all the way through. And then it came out, I was just kind of like, eh. That opening section where Ratchet is like hurling through different dimensions, like that's clearly like one scripted kind of sequence right. that that does show off the the tech. And then when they show the actual gameplay tech, it's used in much smaller ways. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to be pushing the boat quite as much as that opening section suggested. Ratchet and Clank and Insomniac though are actually what is actually one of that franchise. It's actually the franchise that does that. I I I, I, I worked on that series many many years ago as a games tester. And that was like the best looking games on PlayStation 3, Tools of Destruction, right at the beginning. You know, Insomniac are very good with Ratchet and Clank. And they haven't done it for a while because the last Ratchet and Clank was a remake. Um, and it was like 25 quid or something. It was really cheap. But um, this felt, you know, it's, it's not unusual for Insomniacs to be sort of at the vanguard of that, um, showing that off. But it was the closest we got, I think, to seeing something that was next gen, right? I, I Even then, you know, as in we couldn't do it on any other platform. But it did feel like, I think to Brendan's point, there was a bit where it was almost like they just kept doing all the things that you do in a Ratchet and Clank game at the same time to try and show off all the things they can do in a very short space of time. And it did seem a little bit over overwhelming. Here's the cool weapons you can do. And here's another cool weapon. Here's another cool weapon. He's zipping through this and he's zipping through that. And we're done. And it was exhausting. But I, I suspect it's not quite that extreme in 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 the game. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we will see. I think. Did you already say um, which games you were stoked about? You just said Insomniac stuff. Chris. I'm a bit. Well, I had in obviously, Brendan. The answer is Sackboy, a big adventure. Um, <laughs> okay, disclosure. <laughs> just to be clear, Sackboy, Sat a big adventure is um, uh, a game that my brother is working on at Sumo. So full disclosure. It's full disclosure. Oh. Um, no, um, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Resident Evil, so I was really excited to see Resident Evil. It looks like Resident Evil Four, but done in Resident Evil 7 style which is nice they do very nice faces in Resident Evil now um, but I'm an inso- I'm just love Insomniac Ratchet and Clank and Spider-Man probably for me I hope very nice faces is like the 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 brand you know goal the aspiration for them all what they want Resident <laughs> Evil to be associated with Brendan do you need to now tell us why you're really excited about Godfall you seemed, uh, uh, seemed no, all over, you're falling all over no. yourself with compliments for Gearbox Publishing's uh, Sweet. No, no, Godfall is not my not my cup of tea. I, I did like um, Bug Snacks. I thought looked really cool and like something that that I hope is uh, a fun thing to play uh, with my kid. And uh, Little Devil Inside, I thought looked pretty interesting. Um, I like kind of the, the 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 art style is nice, but I think like narratively, there's there's probably a lot of fun to be had with the. Uh, the dynamic between the monster hunter that is always sent out into the jaws of danger and then the crusty old dude that sits back at home and I presume gets all the credit for the for the hard work but doesn't really do anything. I, I think there could be like an interesting sort of gameplay mix in there too. But yeah, so that was interesting. There, there, there were a lot of games like Spider-Man which are like and Ratchet and Clank that I'll be like, yeah, that's that's really cool. I'm interested in that. Returnal, the the Housemark game, that was um, maybe not my my jam exactly, but that looked interesting. A, a lot of stuff that I'm kind of like. Hmm. The main character in that is a middle aged woman. I have heard like, tell of them, but I have yeah. never seen one. What in a video <laughs> game? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm just, it's so cool. That's not my jam at all. And I think the name is ridiculous, but awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it remains to be seen whether Housemark, well, cause I, it's definitely a, a bit of a departure for Housemark in general, that kind of style of game. I, I do wonder how they'll fare with it, but they've always been very tight with PlayStation. So it's not, not that surprising that PlayStation would give them a go on that. I am really upset given um, Housemark making the Super Stardust franchise and this lady having the two different colored eyes that they didn't go with the name Lady Stardust, though. Because it, it was right. But do there. we know that that's not her name? It should be. It should be. We need, we need more be. David Bowie references across the industry. I've been saying that for years. I mean, since we're criticizing names, Chris, t- 
tell your brother sack, the, a huge missed opportunity to do not to do a sack boy a little big adventure um i can't possibly comment um <laughs> <laughs> no don't comment he's, i'm it, just i'm just throwing that out into the world he's a programmer it's not it's not his area but uh, uh yeah <laughs> i don't think it is <laughs> can't comment um the um was that like um, a twinson reference rebecca I don't know what that is. Okay, it's so, Little Big Planet, well, but it's a big adventure. Why would it not be a Little Big Adventure? Because Electronic Arts published a game called anyway. Twinson's Little Big Adventure in in the nineties. Oh yeah, that could be it. Actually, yes, I, uh, I think there was. Yeah, it was. I've not lost my mind, right? Like it's Little Big Planet. Yeah, yeah no, it is. Yeah, it is. That's a yeah. real thing, right? Yeah, but there, there was a. There's a <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> everyone's acting like. No, I'm no, no. There's a there's no, no, a no, series no. from the nineties called Little Big Adventure. So it's probably a copyright thing. Yeah. We've talked games. Matt tried to skip over it, but I'm not going to let him. Hardware. What do we think of that design? Better than a fridge. I mean, we've seen the Xbox Series X, the XX fridge we've seen for months now. And then there's this. Listen, there is on Twitter currently going around a joke tweet that is a someone saying, oh, Sony sent me the PS5 early. And it's a picture of someone's internet router between two pieces of paper. Um, so <laughs> make of that what you it's will. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's the, the Xbox. The Xbox is better. The Xbox is better. What? Oh, it's. This I mean, is, I don't like. Heaven either, forbid that our awful. game system should have like some sort of style to it, even if it's oh. like not just the the blandest, you know, squarest black box. It's it's fine. You play games on it. Let it look like something. I, I want to know. I feel like every time anyone reveals any kind of hardware, somebody like everybody is just like, "This is terrible." I want to know what a good hardware. Uh, would look hold on, like hold on. Yeah, but, but, I don't is, know. But this is this is a straw man. No one is saying. No, no one is saying the hardware can't have a bit of style or a little bit of flair to it. But there's good and bad product design. This is bad product design. I think the GameCube is a great looking console. I think the Switch is a great looking console. Yeah, someone said it. Not <laughs> it is. I love the GameCube too, Matt. But I feel like so many people would disagree with you. Well, on they're that. perfect. They're perfectly. Yeah, they're perfectly entitled to but this it's just it's so it's so fussy uh, there's little bits coming out and sticking off in that direction my main issue with it was okay so the, the xx is nice and square and flat and all that but it's too tall and too thick to fit on shelves i think i, I think the measurements came out and it does not fit on the shelf of my tv cabinet which is a fairly st- standard tv cabinet this doesn't look like it will give you the option of lying flat so yet again it is a platform holder trying to insist that you have their games device as the centerpiece of your tv enter your, your lounge entertainment center so that if someone walks in and they know that you own a ps5 i i quite you know what i quite liked it and I tell you why, I like console designs, which I know in 10 years will look dated, so my console will look retro. And, uh, yeah. That's <laughs> true. I, that I, is the most Chris answer I have ever heard. If my Xbox One X is never going to look retro. It's a black box. It's always going to look like something that should go under my TV forevermore. It's all, and I just... It already looks give, give me so, This is what people <laughs> in 1962 thought the future would look like. And yeah, but what, what, are you, what are you gonna like glom onto and have positive feelings about? Like, I have, you know, I've, I've bought retro consoles. I think, you know, fifty-fifty percent because I wanted to play the games, and then because I just wanted a littler version of that same box on on my shelf, and that thing's super cool, and I have all these, you know, kind of memories tied up in it. I'm I'm not gonna want to buy a retro console of the PS4 or the Xbox one X or anything in, in 15, 20 years. It's, it's, you know, like I'll, you, you offer me a keychain that's shaped like a Dreamcast. Like, yes, I would get that in a heartbeat. Cause like, I actually have sort of some affinity for these things that are designed in a way that, that looks distinct. I, I don't mind that it has, you know, something that could alienate some people like the GameCube design did. I, I actually prefer that it try and have a personality to being yet another in a well. In a long Dreamcast looks Dreamcast looks way better than this thing. The controller aside, the Dreamcast <laughs> controller is an abomination. But but the actual I, machine. I also just posted another thing going around social media in our Discord that is the PS5 with the two little spikes on the top, uh, forming the 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 tower like a uh, Sauron's tower from Lord of the Rings with the Eye of Sauron in the middle. You can imagine that as well. 
I, I, I quite liked it. I quite like the fact that it looks... I'm with Brendan. I quite like the fact it looks different. Um, uh, but, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not in love with it, but I'm not... I'm, I like the fact it wasn't a black box. Um, I actually quite like the Xbox One X design as well. I quite... Because that's a, that's a console design I've not seen before yeah, as well. It, it's sort of... That's because the Xbox the Xbox Series... Uh, did you say the Xbox One X? Series X, sorry. I meant Series, series X. Okay, so. the, the XX. Do you see? That's why XX is easier to remember. The XX design is, isn't... It, yeah, you've not seen it as a console before, but that's because it's a PC. <laughs> I've... Mm. <laughs> That's the well, actually, no. Actually, I tell you what. This does actually kind of remind me of of the kind of weird gaming PCs that look like the front end of a sports car. That's actually what it does. Look like. <laughs> the kind of like super fancy, very gamery gaming PCs. That looks like one of those. Oh, that that's a console that looks like it has a companion gaming chair. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Does. Mm. yeah. I like the controller a lot, but I don't really like the console. I don't like that it's white because I will absolutely get weird, like grubby handprints all over it after two years. Lay off those Cheetos. If it depends, depends on the um, depends on the on the type of um, material. Because I've got a PS4 Pro that's white and it's actually really nice. Yeah, and it's uh, I've had it for ages and it's not dirty at all, but because it's sort of matte. Yeah, uh, actually, um, I've got the same one, uh, and I, I think the PS4 Pro in white looks absolutely beautiful. But, but this is Chris. You wait. You wait till your uh, your boy grows up. Like so, there was a there was a not going on a tangent, but there was a PlayStation Five, uh, PlayStation Four Pro white matte white in a in a shop we went to um and the it's like in the kids play area so the you know the adults can go and shop and kids can just sit and watch dvds and they left crayons in there and it's not white anymore <laughs> i i have a lock on my office door james i'm fine um the um the um but actually if you, if you guys were going to get one of these you're definitely getting a console would you go with the discless one or the disc or the one with the disc mm. That's a good question. I think I still go disc. I think I still like kind of similar to Brendan when we were talking. Like as much as I appreciate the the convenience of digital, and I increasingly am finding myself buying digital just so that I don't have to swap the disc. The option of having disc, the option of being able to borrow a friend's game or buy something cheap when it's on on sale or your second hand or whatever. I feel like I still need that disc drive there. I haven't I haven't bought a single game on disc this entire generation. Um, and I bought plenty of games. Yeah, and I, I think I think I think the, the the cheap thing used to be more of a thing, but like you can get digital games just as cheap as you can find them secondhand. Now you don't have to wait that long either. Like most games are at least thirty percent off within you know a month or two of coming out. So for me, it honestly depends on what the pricing difference is. Yeah, yeah, like. I, because I, I do like physical games. Um, I don't go out of my way to get them. And because I'm, you know, a person who writes about games for a living, I tend to get sent digital codes um, somewhat frequently. So I end up doing a lot of digital games. Um, but I do like getting physical games. Um, and if the price difference was just like 50 bucks, then I'd say, you know what, screw it. I'll just pay the extra 50 bucks and, you know, have the option of having physical games because sometimes that's nice. But if it ends up being, you know, I, I don't know what a drastic difference would be. Like maybe like if it's like a hundred dollar difference or more, which I don't think it would be more, but cause I pretty sure the Xbox difference is a hundred. Um, but if it is like a reasonable difference, then I might, you know, reconsider, or especially if there's like a particular bundle with the digital edition that I want that would, I, I don't know. It, it, it would have to be like a, a significant cost difference for me to say, yeah, I don't really care that much. Yeah, I can't see it being that big a difference though. Really? Uh, Wait, I can't. Yeah, I don't either. think a Blu-ray drive costs all that much extra to put in. Um, it, 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 it did though it depends as well you know because like i think there's there's a fan element isn't there to the disc i don't know i just i, I do want it things it felt to me playstation's always been so supportive of retail and this feels like something that retail really won't be happy about and it just feels to me like they know the console is going to be a, perhaps a bit too expensive and they've created a version that they know they can make cheaper like that type you know it, I, I that's how it feels that's what it felt like i might be you know, obviously there's a generational change, but they can always release a discless one further down the line. The fact they're releasing it at launch makes me think that there's a there, there's, a, there's a desire to try and have a cheaper. I guess because you, you can't you can't slim a, you can't sell a slimline version at launch as well, can you? That's pretty scary. Like, go to the retail partners and say, okay, so you can sell this discless version, or you can sell a seven hundred dollar uh, console. Your choice. And the retailers don't make any money from the consoles; they make the money from the games, and that's where the uh, that's where the problem is. You know, they, they they get very little margin on hardware, but they get good margin on software. 
and accessories like that uh, and accessories like that media remote that they're that they Mm -hmm. threw out there charging stand and your matching white headphones oh my god yeah. I'm just staring at my like little IKEA entertainment center right now trying to figure out where the heck this would possibly fit. Yeah. I recently had a drawer fitted underneath my TV to put all the games consoles in and neither of these games consoles will fit in that drawer. Yeah. I only recently <laughs> it's gonna be six hundred quid and then hundred quid on top of that to buy a new cabinet so I don't have to look at the thing as well. So <laughs> Is it gonna be is it gonna be six hundred quid? Oh, no, I don't I don't I don't know. I but you know, I, I do think for some reason, I've got in my head it's going to be five hundred quid minimum. I don't know why mm. that is. The the architecture. I don't think that's an unreasonable. The suggestion. architecture suggests uh, it's pretty sophisticated stuff. You know, way more more so than the PS4 was at its time period. Um, and what did the PS4 launch at? Four hundred pounds, um, I think. Something like that. Yeah. And Burn, I could. Will games still be fifty to sixty, or will they start going towards the seventy-eight? Well, I think that's that's the thing that. Um, that's the, that's the issue with, with having an all-digital version. I mean, if it's not a significant price difference, I mean, the digital games really, by right, should cost less than a game in a box, you know, just purely in terms of how much it costs to put them out there. But very often, they cost even more. Um, the, the, the day one price on most digital games is higher than in a lot of shops because a lot of retailers will take five, five pounds off or ten bucks off or whatever. And that That's a... That's a question that I would dearly love to see properly addressed, but it, it, it's, it's, yeah, well, Chris, why is that? Is that purely to keep the retailers going? Um, there is an element of that. Um, but actually, you know, um, there is obviously the retailers take a cut and then the distribution costs aren't nearly as high as people think they are. Like the printing of discs, like pennies, and you even manufacturing the boxes in bulk like that doesn't cost that much money. And particularly if you're Sony, because you've actually got a company within your company that does that for you. It, it, the, distribu- the retailers obviously take a slice of that money. It's one of those weird things, isn't it? Because I was very much like, I, I, we run events. I hate to really completely take us off, but we run events and we've got the similar thing at the moment where we're, we're talking about sort of selling tickets to events and then people going, well, hang on, there's no physical location, so why it should be cheaper. <laughs> but I'm still sitting there thinking, I still, we've still got staff to pay, you know. But it's, um, it's so it's, it's about true, growth, but I guess. Then what, how does it, but, so for example, if, but if you're not just, if you're just not selling through a retailer, so only Sony's taking a cut, you know, whereas through a retailer, retailer takes a cut, Sony takes a cut, there is some extra overhead. I just feel like buying an all digital edition of a console should give you more benefit than simply paying $50 less up front. I mean, th- this is just a larger issue than just what PS5 launch strategy is. It's just, it's just a weird discrepancy in the way games are priced that doesn't really reflect the actual cost cost savings on a digital this part of the conversation might come slightly moot in the future you know if it, if if playstation now becomes a bigger thing and people will just buy the all digital console because they're subscribing and they don't need the discs at all it, it's it's yeah i think that's enough for now um we've still got a lot to process from kind of this reveal i think we've we've covered most of it but uh it is approaching half 11 at night here in the uk rebecca's still got most of a day of work ahead of her so i think we're going to stop this now episode okay that's fair enough episode should be out um tomorrow so by the time you listen to this should be friday we're gonna be back at some time next week with your regular news show um we're obviously shifting times around to to account for this episode you can find all previous episodes on your podcasting platform of choice and you can get your daily dose of news insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz mm-hmm.